0: To the revelation, Revelation chapter number one, where we find where we begin tonight. Whenever someone uses the word or or the name Revelation, what comes to your mind? All kinds of wild and crazy things, right? End times Bible prophecy, uh, things concerning the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, uh, the, the battle of Armageddon, the great white throne judgment. The millennial kingdom, and on and on we could go. But as we begin tonight, you know, I'm going to make a confession to you. We're not preaching on any of those. Um, We're confining ourselves, the first few chapters here of the book of Revelation. Um, The Lord's burdened my heart. Um, I want to live right, don't you? I want to live right. I want my Christian life to be what God wants it to be. And as we begin here tonight, there's, uh, we'll begin a series entitled, Hear What the Spirit Sayeth Under the Churches. And as we look here in the book of Revelation, we find that this, that this letter is addressed to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And the Bible says in, in Revelation chapter number one, beginning in verse number one, it says, John, to the seven churches which are, which are in, in Asia. And we go down in in chapter number 1 and verse number 11, we find the list of all of these churches, these seven churches, to whom the Lord is leading John to write. And the Bible says, they're saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and uh, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And we find here, as it goes on to say, it says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and uh, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and girt about the paps with with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. You oh, know interesting? In verse number 13, the Bible makes mention of one like unto the Son of Man. And then in in, chapter, in verse 15, it says, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. You know it's so the uh, the a reference to Daniel or to the to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire furnace in, in the book of Daniel. The Bible goes on to say, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in, in his strength. And when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Look in verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Uh, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and The seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars, are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me tonight as we read here in God's Word, beginning in chapter 2 and verse number 1. And we'll read down through verse number 7. notice what the Bible says, Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. And unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, uh, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will i give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god heavenly father we thank you for your word tonight and father it's our desire to hear from you lord that you would speak to us god that you would challenge us that lord that you would help us be the the kind of church the type of church that that glorifies and honors you lord we're thankful for uh, the lessons we learn, God, the, the truth that you impart to us here. God, our prayer is that you would aid us along here tonight, uh, that you would help us say what is needed, and and uh, Lord, emphasize what is most important, and, and God, that we'd make right application in our own hearts and lives tonight. God, we pray for your blessing. We pray that you'd be glorified and that you'd help us. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we think about the book of Revelation, uh, much of our understanding comes from our interpretation, uh, and if we, as we, we as independent fundamental Baptists, you know, as we hold to the truths of God's word, of course we believe in the in a pre-tribulational uh, rapture of the church. We are pre-millennial, and that all of this takes place before Christ comes to set up His kingdom. He's going to return uh, before He sets up the millennial. We're not post-millennial. We're not a millennial. Uh, but we come to understand the great, uh, the great need to, uh, to, to understand and interpret the Word of God rightly. How do we do that? How do we interpret the Word of God correctly? Well, we, we just take God at His Word. Well, as we read the Word of God, as we study the Bible, it is important for us to, to take God's Word literally. Of course, there's a lot of things that uh, in the Word of God that, that are perhaps used in figurative language. And we would take those things figuratively, where God speaks figuratively. We would, we would take God's Word literally, when the Lord uses obviously literal speech, which He does here in the book of Revelation. As we come to the Word of God, as we come to this passage of Scripture, there's there's a lot of things that I believe in, in our day and age that at times we're tempted to misrepresent because we desire to, uh, uh, to fit things in and... Make comparisons and, and give allowances. Where I, personally speaking, I don't believe God has given us that liberty. Uh, as we look here tonight, and, and a lot of this is this may not it may not matter to you, but I believe I believe it's helpful. There's people who would take these churches here, these seven churches of Revelation, and they would divide them out in the church age, and they would say every one of these seven churches represents a time during the church age when you and where you and I live today. The church age began uh, on the day of Pentecost. Of course, the church began with Christ and His disciples when He called them out, the church being a called-out assembly. But it was empowered on the day of Pentecost. And we find here that, that God is, is having John write, or Christ is speaking to John, giving him instructions to write to these seven churches Living in a literal period of time. Now, I believe that the Bible is written for the average person, so that a child can pick it up, read it, and understand it. And as we look here at the Bible in Revelation chapter one and two, uh, we must be we must be careful not to misrepresent what God is saying here. You see, if we were to uh, to try to manipulate the Word of God and say, you know, all of these seven churches, they represent a time period in the church age where, where the characteristics of Christianity are on display and they're represented here, I don't believe that. Uh, you may disagree with me. I'm not going to die over it. Uh, that's just my personal interpretation of the Word of God. I believe that ever throughout the entire church age as a whole, you can go, you can pick any one of these churches, and you can find the characteristics that God that God compliments or that God corrects. You can find them in any, in every church, not only in America, but anywhere in the world. And here's, here's the thing. So a lot of people they would say that right now we are living in the Laodicean age, right? You've heard that, uh, the Laodicean age, where, where Christianity is just so casual and flippant and and nobody cares and, and everybody's just lukewarm. I don't find that to be the case. I don't find that to be the case. You can go to different parts of the world. and you, Like Iran, for instance. It's being said there are more people converting to Christianity in Iran, more people accepting Christ as their Savior in Iran today than anywhere else in the world. Uh, the say, there's more, there are more practicing Christians in China uh, than anywhere else in the world. But our temptation is to place America in the canon of Scripture. And uh, we must be careful to understand that what God is saying here, He's saying to the church as a whole, to the individual. And upon that statement, we find we must ask ourselves the question: Well, what church am I? As as I read through, as we read through Revelation chapters one and two, we ask ourselves the question: Who am I? Where am I? Where is my heart? As as we look here in this passage of scripture, am I lu- neither lukewarm? Am I neither hot nor cold? Am I lukewarm? Uh, have I left my first love? Uh, wh- God says, I know thy works. We need to ask God to show us who we are and listen to what the Spirit saith to the churches. And as we begin tonight, we come, as we've already read, to chapter 2 and verses 1 through 7, where the Lord speaks to the church at Ephesus. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to, to what the Bible says of the church at Ephesus in chapter 2 in verse number 4 of the book of Revelation. We find the indictment that that the Lord brings against the church. And it's an an indictment that is somewhat surprising, perhaps, considering uh, the the great heritage uh, that the church at Ephesus enjoyed. Did you know that the church at Ephesus is the only church in the New Testament that received two letters from different apostles. That received a letter from two different apostles. The apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. And we find that John, the apostle John here, writes this book to the church at Ephesus. Quite an interesting thing, isn't it? An amazing truth. They, have, they were a church of great heritage, a great history, Paul began the church while he was on his missionary journeys, and and it was it had a great many uh, preachers that would come through and and preach in the pulpit there. They had a they had a, an outgoing work, but the Bible says, look there in verse number four, it says, Thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. Wow. Who is, or who ought to be, the first love of the local church? The Lord Jesus Christ. The one who died in our place, the one who paid for our sin, the one, as he says himself, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He has the keys of hell and of death. He is the one our hearts ought to love. He he is the one for whom we ought to live. And our love of Christ, and our love for Christ, ought to be the, the most sacred of our motives. But as we consider the church at Ephesus, I want to encourage you, if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, holding your place here in Revelation, turn back to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. As Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he had two prayers that he shared with us, or to them, or concerning them. One, that uh, they would have more light, and the other, that they would have more love. In Ephesians chapter 1, notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 15. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks unto you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Notice in verse 18, the Bible says, "...the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His uh, own right hand in the heavenly places. far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. But the Bible says back in verse number 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What does that mean? As Paul prays, he's praying that God would give them more light. As I pray, I pray that God would give me more light. That God would give me a greater understanding of who He is and what He seeks to accomplish in His in this world through the local church, as we read here in the Word of God, that that our understanding concerning these scriptural doctrinal truths would would only grow, and that with the the uh, that with the increase of the light given to us by God, that my obedience would grow as well. Christian, God gives us light so that we can further obey Him. God tells us what He wants us to do. The Lord tells us what He expects of us so that we in return can obey. God desires for us to have more light. We are told to walk in the light as He is in the light. We're to walk in truth, we're to be obedient. To our savior in all things. But notice also what we find in the book of Ephesians. Turn with me if you would please to Ephesians chapter number 3 and notice what the Bible says in verse 17, 18 and 19. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 the Bible says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in what love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. As Paul writes, he says, I want you to grow in light, but at the same time, I want you to grow in your love for Christ, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Christian, as we look here at this church at Ephesus, we find that they have, they've gone, they've come a long way, and not in a good sense. We find a church that was faithful and 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 growing and booming and doing just a mighty work for God. But the Bible says back in Revelation chapter number uh, two and verse five, it says from it says, "Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen." It says, hey, I want you to look back." And remember the good old days. And not good old days in the sense that boy it was just all the nostalgia of the times. And as we reminisce and, and and just thank the Lord for what he'd done, not but desire to have that again. What what John is encouraging us here to do in Revelation chapter two is, is seek God for revival. <coughs> they had. They had backslidden. Uh, They had failed in many things. They had left their first love. The Lord is speaking to the church. He says, listen, I want you to fall back in love with me. Let me ask you a question tonight. How would you measure your love for God? Uh, that's a rhetorical question. I, I don't need an answer. But how would you measure your love for God? Tangibly. What are some things in your life that that express the measure of your love, that validate uh, the truth of your love for Jesus Christ? I mean, as we look here in the book of Revelation, we see three, uh, three things that that the Lord speaks the church about. Number one, notice He speaks of their works. He speaks of their works, and may I say, sometimes looking at our works, we cannot measure our love for the Lord. Reading the first three verses of Revelation chapter two, we would think, "Man, this church—they've got—they've got their act together. Now they're—they're they're doing it, man. They're getting the job done." But the Lord even, but then after that, the Lord says, Hey, I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. Look what the Bible says (coughs) concerning their works. The Bible says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, and that the angel of the church of Ephesus is the pastor of the church of Ephesus. He says, Write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He says, I know thy works. And thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, has and for my namesake hast labored and hast not fainted. We would stand back, if that was where the story ended, we would stand back. And we would applaud. Man, that church of Ephesus, man, they're doing a great job. I mean, they're busy. Are they not? They're active. But we cannot substitute activity for spirituality. And I think a lot of times in our Christian lives, that's something we try to do. We try to make up for our lack of spirituality by by serving or by doing. That's not what God desires. God simply wants us to love Him. And from our love for God, our service for God pours. Look here what it says. It says, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, as found them liars. What does it take to be an apostle? I met an apostle once. Did I ever tell you that story? Oh, it was the coolest. No, it wasn't. Uh, but I was. I remember I was out knocking doors one day, over off of uh, what neighborhood? It's over off of Lehman Road in Canal Winchester, and is uh, it Schoolhouse Road or Bowen Road? Bowen and Lehman. There's there's some. Uh, there's some there's a housing development over there. And I was knocking on doors and and I came up to this house and um knocked on the door and this man opened the door and and I, you know, said, hey sir, I'm so-and-so. I'm Pastor Van Amen. I'm from Pickerington Baptist, just out trying to spread the word about our church, I wanted to leave you an invitation. Here's some information, you know, if there's anything we can do for you, you know, just let me know. He said, Well, I'm an apostle. I said, Really? Sometimes I'm too sarcastic. <laughs> really? But you know that was probably the the rudest apostle I'd ever seen in my life, I've ever met. You know what does it take to become an apostle? What were the requirements? They had to be taught by taught and see uh, the resurrected Savior. Those were the qualifications of apostleship, and I'm pretty sure that man had had neither, <laughs> had done neither. But I'm an apostle, <clears throat> okay. Christian, how do you spot a liar? How do you how do you find false doctrine? How do you know the difference between between sound doctrine and false doctrine? Well, it's imperative that you know the truth. This, you know, if you ever you know you've heard the statement as uh, uh, you know, if you ever try to you ask people, how do you know the difference between a counterfeit bill? And a real bill. Well, you know, you don't study counterfeit bills because they change all the time. You study the real thing. You study the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. This never changes. The Word of our God, uh, the, the grass withereth, the flower thereof fadeth away, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. If, if you want to know truth, this is truth. This book that we hold in our hands, this is truth. Jesus. In John chapter 17, in his high priestly prayer, prayed for you and me, he said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Christian, this is the truth. If you want to spot a liar, all you have to do is know the truth. So we find that this church, not only were they busy serving, they had they were outgoing, I mean they were, the Bible says that they were, uh, they, they labored and were patient and they couldn't bear them that were evil. They found those, uh, they found them liars who claimed to be apostles. And he goes on to say, They had uh and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. They knew the word of God. They were committed to doing the work for God, but somewhere along the line, they just lost the wonder of it all. Have you lost the wonder of it all? There's a, a nice chorus. It's, I have never
1: lost the wonder of it all. I have never lost the wonder of it all. Since the day that Jesus saved me and a whole new life He gave me, I have never Lost the wonder of it all. But somewhere
0: along the lines, the church at Ephesus, they lost the wonder of it all. Christian, have you lost the wonder of it all? It doesn't matter how much you work, how much work you do for God. It's not going to matter for anything if you've lost the wonder of it all. Oh, to fall back in love with Jesus. Oh, to gain that love, to, to have that love restored, that the love that we enjoyed, that we demonstrated the moment we got saved. The moment our sins were forgiven, the moment our names were written in that Lamb's book of life never to be blotted out, that moment the Holy Spirit of God came to dwell within us and sealed us, It became the earnest of our inheritance, Christian,
1: we well, Sometimes we
0: just get so busy that we forget. We, we become so focused on what we have to do and we forget about the one for whom we're doing it. The church at Ephesus was no exception. Notice what else we find here. In Revelation chapter 2, we find their weakness. We find their weakness. Look again at what the Bible says in verse number 4. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. He tells us in verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Their weakness, of course, is the thing for which the Lord is rebuking them. It's their, it's their, lo- their leaving their first love. How do we leave our first love? You ever ask yourself the question, How? what are some ways that that I leave my first love. You know, it's been keenly observed and stated. A lot of times you see people, they come and go in their Christian lives, or they come, they're faithful to church, and all of a sudden they just kind of drop off. And you say, well, I wonder what happened. wonder, you know, where they quit. Well, the reality is they quit long before they left. See, somewhere along the line, we quit. We stop doing the things that that are essential to our Christian lives. Do you realize the Christian life is not rocket science? Though it is impossible to live on your own, on your own, it's very. The Lord doesn't give us very many commands when you when you boil it all down. There's only a few things that, that we ought to practice each and every day, each and every week, that will help us stay in love with God. Like reading our Bibles, praying, witnessing, worshiping together as a, as a congregation, serving the Lord in some capacity within the local church. These are all things that that help us love the Lord. Because the reality is none of us are worthy of serving Christ. You know, as if we say, if we, well, I just, I'm just not the best person for the job. Well, I don't know the best person for any job in the Lord's work. Because the last I checked, we've, we are all flawed people. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. And we are what we are by the grace of God. But there's something else that that will help us even more. than, And we're not discounting Bible reading or prayer or telling others about Christ or faithful church attendance or faithful Christian service. We're We're not minimizing any of those things. But as we do all of those things, we must never forget where the Lord's brought us from. Think about the church at Ephesus. What was, uh, what was Ephesus known for? It was a pagan society, wasn't it? It was a seaport there, an Asia Minor, operated, ran, governed by the Roman Empire. But there was something else there. It was more than just a political, uh, geopolitical. Uh, Location, you know, of great significance or importance, there was something else there. There was a temple built in Ephesus, the temple of Artemis. Pagan, immoral, hideous. And these Ephesians were saved out of that mess. Christian, what mess did the Lord save you out of? You know, as I think about my life, my testimony, I, you know, some people, they have a testimony how God saved them out of some awful sin of the flesh or something along those lines. But, you know, I thank God I was saved as a kid. And by God's grace, I never had to go through a lot of that stuff. The Lord was merciful to me. He was gracious to me. put me in a Christian home with two parents that loved one another, that loved the Lord, that loved their kids would do just about anything they could to help us succeed in life. My parents didn't grow up in a place like that. They weren't neglected. They weren't, well, maybe they were. But it wasn't always the most pleasant of circumstances growing up. My dad would tell the story (laughs) of how, I I chuckle, but it's, it's really rather sad, how he would get uh, corrected, I think that's the best uh, play, PC term we could use, corrected for things he never did. I remember he would tell the story of how uh, my grandparents bought him a brand new coat and for winter. You know, they, they didn't have a lot, they were just my grandfather, he was a factory worker and they bought my new coat. And my uncle, who's gone home to be with the Lord, said something to my dad. My dad hauled off and punched him. Well, my uncle knocked him through the <laughs> the picture window and, and tore that new coat. And guess who got the spanking? <laughs> it was my dad. He said it wasn't fun. We think about, you know, my dad was a bus kid. Both my parents were bus kids. My, my dad would tell the story, you know, he lived across the street from my mom's aunt and uncle. And they would they would pick him up and, and my, my uncle and my two aunts and they would take him to church Sunday mornings. And my dad would recall the story of or the times of which he'd have to step over people who were passed out drunk on the floor from the parties they'd had the night before. I thank the Lord we never had that, but that's by God's grace. Christian, what what did the life save you from, or what did the Lord keep you from? You know, there are so many things in our lives for which we can we can fuss about and and whine about and moan about. But at the end of the day, we have so much to thank the Lord for, for saving us, uh, for bringing us up out of that miry pit pit and setting our feet upon a rock and establishing our going. The salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and the weakness that they had was that they had left their true love. Somewhere along the line, they just forgot what Christ had done for them. How pitiful. But notice finally this evening, we see the warning. The warning. That God gives us here. Look again in verse number 5. There are three words that I would encourage you to take note of in verse 5. The first one is the opening word. It says, remember. Mark that word, remember. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. And then the next word there is repent. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, And will, there's the third word, remove thy candlestick out of his place, except ye repent. Remember, repent, remove. I don't want to be removed. I don't want to lose uh, the influence that God has given. I don't want the work of the Lord to be snuffed out here. I don't want God's work to be snuffed out of my life. I want God to continue using me. This old sinner, I want, I want God to continue using me for His glory. I need to fall back in love with Christ. I need to remember what the Lord has done for me. And yes, I am not perfect, I admit that, but I am so thankful. All the decisions I've made in the past that, you know what, even as a saved man, they probably weren't necessarily the best decision I could have made. But Christian, I'm here to tell you that God is gracious, slow to anger, Plenteous in mercy, and He'll forgive you. And He will pardon you. He'll continue using you for His glory. Isn't that what we want? I don't want God to remove. I just want to remember what God has done for me. Repent and serve the Lord with simplicity and godly sincerity and allow God to to use my life as weak and feeble as it is. Because I don't want God to remove me. You know, as we read on here, we notice what the Bible says in verse 6 is, but thou hast, but but this thou hast. Notice in verse 6, this is the only commendation really that that the Lord gives the church at Ephesus here. He says, but this thou hast, you've got something going for you. Notice that thou thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans are a group of people that that, uh, try to, to... Intermingle Christianity with paganism. Uh, they would, they would. Uh, it's reported that they would go and and they would uh, eat meats, food sacrificed to idols. But in order to get the meat, they would have to go into the to the pagan temples and and partake in those immoral immoral practices in order to get the meat. And God says, hey, you hate him. I hate him. That's one thing we've got going together, right? You hate sin, I hate sin, but we both love the sinner. The reality is what God desires for us to enjoy in our Christian lives. Look what the Bible says in verse 7 as we close. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. It says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Christian, the call is for God's people to return to the place of blessing. Daily walking with God, spending time with Him, Bible reading, prayer, remembering what the Lord has done for us. That's the blessing that we see in verse 7. Just return. Return to the place of blessing. You've fallen a long way. Just return. Just come back. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that God is not man. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? How many of us would just, you know, write somebody off? Man, you pitiful, no good, good for nothing, you know, excuse for living, right? I see what you've done, I see how far you've gone. Forget you. I'm, I'm done with you. That's how man works, isn't it? That's not how the Lord works. Aren't you glad? Christ looks at us, he says, hey, I know your works. I know you've left your first love. But remember, repent. Return to the place of blessing. If you don't, then I'll remove your candlestick. But, I'm giving you time. I'm giving you opportunity. fall back in love with the lord shall we let's thank the lord for his goodness to us and let's let's love him like we ought to let's serve him from our heart of love not not just substituting activity for spirituality but let's genuinely serve the lord out of a loving grateful heart let's all stand together tonight shall we in just a moment the piano is going to begin playing and as the piano plays, we invite you to come if the Lord has spoken to your heart this evening. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor Van Amen, would you please pray for me? I, I pray that God would help me stay in love with Him. Is that you? May I pray with you tonight? Amen. Let me stay in love with the Lord. You know, so oftentimes life becomes so busy. So there are so many distractions that, that take place in our lives. We just need to love the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And Lord help us love Him. As the piano plays tonight, maybe you'd just like to step out of your place and come and and thank the Lord for what He's done for you. Thank Him for dying in your place, for paying your sin debt in full, for giving you salvation. You called upon Him by faith. Maybe you're here tonight. And say, Pastor, pray for me because I, I fear that sometimes my love for the Lord grows cold, and I don't want to leave my first love. Pastor, would you please pray for me that the Lord would help me not lose the wonder of it all? Is that you? May I pray with you tonight? Yeah, it's love the Lord. Let's serve the Lord. Have you left your first love? It's kind of a, a pointed question, I know, but have you left Him? Why do you do the things that you're doing for the Lord? Are you serving Him because you love Him or are, and what He's done for you? Or are you serving Him just because you think you ought to? May the Lord help us. Would you do business with God tonight? Would you tell the Lord that you love Him? Would you, right there, with heads bowed and eyes closed, recall the day where you turned from your sin and by faith accepted Christ as your Savior? You remember the love and gratitude, the excitement that you had at that moment. That's where the Lord wants you to be perpetually. That's the love Christ wants you to enjoy. And from that love, everything else flows. Remember. Repent. Return. Father, we pray for the invitation time tonight that you do a work in our hearts, that you'd guide us and help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Song 470, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. If the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight, you
1: come. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. These void me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Just think what God could do in and through our lives, our
0: homes, our church. you would fall back in love with the Lord. Just imagine the, the souls that God would allow us to reach. Uh, the impact we could have on our city and our world with the gospel. For the glory of God.
1: The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, amen. Heavenly Father, we
0: thank you for the day you've given us. Lord, it's been a great day here at church. We're glad for the many answered prayers and what you're doing in the hearts and lives of of people we know and love, and God, quite frankly, our own lives. And Our prayer is that you would continue your work of revival. God, that you'd help us draw, be drawn closer to you, that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, help us fall back in love with you. Help us not leave our first love. Lord, that's the most sacred of all motives. Paul wrote, he said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Lord, may your love have such a hold on our lives that, it can't escape, that we cannot escape it and that it sets in motion the things that we do and the burden we have for the lost. God, we pray for your grace. Lord, help us this week uh, live for you. Help us glorify you with our lives. Help us be faithful witnesses. Give us safety. Give us health. We pray for those who are away, Lord, whether they're home uh, with an illness or, or an ailment. God, we pray for your healing touch upon their lives. Lord, we pray that you meet the needs of each one uh, in our church, and we'll give you the glory for it. Bring us all back together Thursday evening, and Lord, bless the prayer meeting, and, and God, do a work we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You are dismissed.